Welcome back to the Foul Balls podcast for January 16th, 2018. Short four-game slate for Matt and I to talk about. Uh, this will probably only be like 10 minutes or so because there's not even real injury news for us to talk about. Uh, first game on the slate is the Minnesota Timberwolves at the Orlando Magic. The Timberwolves have a really positive matchup. The Magic are now... Uh, how far have they? Every time I look at their defensive efficiency, it's gotten lower. So obviously they started the year pretty decently, and now they're all the way down to 27th in defensive efficiency and playing at the seventh fastest pace in the league. So really nice matchup for the Timberwolves. What is the price of Jeff Teague's minutes? Or he's just playing regular minutes now, and he is at 6,400. So I like Jeff Teague a decent amount for this matchup. And then Carl Anthony Towns and Jimmy Butler are also fine to roster. But Jeff Teague is my favorite guy here. Teague was priced at, I think he was as high as like 6,900, maybe even to the 7,000s before he got hurt. He was at, earlier in the year he got up to 6,800 was his high point. So still some upside in him at 6,400, especially because it's a positive matchup. From the Magic side of the game, this is a little bit tougher matchup for them. At the beginning of the year, we were picking on the Timberwolves a little bit, but they've just been solid defensively now. The Timberwolves are one of the better teams in the league. So Aaron Gordon at 7,600, Alfred Payton 65, Evan Fournier 5,100. There's nobody here that I think is a particularly good play. If I had to roster somebody, it would probably be Fournier at 5,100 just because he has been priced over 6,000 at points in time this year. Uh, he's actually as high as 6,200 just last week. So 5,100 I think is a bit cheap for Fournier, so there's some upside there, but not really strong plays from the Magic. Yeah, I'm with you on Fournier, and I think Peyton and maybe even uh, Aaron Gordon could be rosterable. Uh, probably just Peyton and Fournier, but like you said, not a strong spot for them. Um, I do like Teague, but I think the price on Jimmy Butler is pretty inflated. And the main factor here is that when Teague was out, there was a big usage bump for Butler. Um, he has about a 3% higher usage rate when Teague isn't on the court. So in the games where Tyus Jones was starting, uh, Jones is a very low usage player. Butler had the ball in his hands more, and he had a bunch of really big fantasy games. But now that Teague is back, we shouldn't really expect the same thing from him. So at 9,200, I think Butler isn't really usable there. Um, it's not really a game stack spot because, like we've said, there aren't that many strong plays, and the Magic really don't have any except maybe Fournier. So I'm, I think I'm going to be off Jimmy Butler with Teague back. It just kind of hurts his production, and the price is too high. Um, so Teague is a strong play. I think Towns might just be fair-priced, and I guess I would say there's some blowout risk here with the Wolves being eight-point favorites, but that doesn't matter for the Wolves. So that's not the concern. But Towns and Butler, I think, are a little too expensive. Um, but I'd be okay with rostering Towns just because of the limited options. Uh, I wouldn't roster Jimmy Butler, though. Yeah, I mean, I do think it's a little bit too high of a price for him. For me, just the reason he would be in my player pool is because it is only a four-game slate. It's a plus matchup. And there's just so little risk of him coming off the court in a blowout because we've seen, even, uh, so what was it, three games ago, the Wolves were up 36 points heading into the fourth quarter, and they open up the fourth quarter with Carl Anthony Towns on the floor. And then Jimmy Butler ends up checking in. So it doesn't matter what the lead is. Thibodeau thinks it isn't safe. He's going to bring the starters in the fourth quarter. So just because the matchup is so good, that's why I think I'd be willing to roster Jimmy Butler anyway. Well, it should also be known that you generally make more lineups than I do, so uh, more players will get into your player pool than my player pool. 
just to clarify, I guess, what percentage, if you had to guess at this point, do you think Jimmy Butler will be in, uh, in terms of number of lineups? Uh, let me come back to you after we look through the rest of the games and the other prices. Oh, okay. It's not as fun if we do it that way, because then it'll be more accurate. But okay, I guess that's fair. Uh, so the next game on the slate, New Orleans Pelicans at the Boston Celtics. From the Pelicans, this is a really tough matchup because the Celtics are, I think, still first in the league in defensive efficiency. Let's see. They are, yeah, they're first actually by a pretty wide margin. So the defense of the Celtics, they're basically the best team in the league. It's defending every single position for fantasy purposes. So while I do think that there is some individual upside in guys like DeMarcus Cousins or Anthony Davis, it's still a really tough matchup. So I don't think they're particularly strong plays. Like I would say I prefer Jimmy Butler to, to Davis or Cousins in this spot. Um, and then I kind of feel the same with Drew Holiday and Rajon Rondo. Rondo's minutes have been really up and down, and he hasn't particularly played well in a lot of the games where he has gotten more minutes anyway. He has scored, let's see, so he needs 25 fantasy points to hit value tomorrow. He scored 24 or more once in his last six games. Three, four, yeah, once in his last six games, and he went way over it. But he's also had an eight-point fantasy game, a 16, a 17. And the other thing also is the way that Rondo plays, at least I perceive him to play much better in up-tempo games. The Celtics are a slow-paced team that play really half-court. I, I think that just doesn't benefit Rondo at all, especially because he can't shoot at all. So I think this is just a bad spot for Rondo. I'm off him despite the revenge narrative, which I'm sure people will roster him for that and solely that reason against the Celtics tomorrow. From the Celtics side of the game, uh, we've got... Kyrie Irving at 8,500, it's a plus matchup for him, but still there's the issue of Kyrie 8,500, he's just had so few games this year where he's even gone over 45 fantasy points. There's so little upside for him there, which kind of ends up being the case with a lot of Celtics players. The Celtics are really good. They have a lot of good players, but the production is so spread out that there isn't any particular player that I look at here and think that they're a good play with a lot of upside. I, I don't really think there's a lot of fantasy potential in this game. Well, for the Pelican side, I think Rondo, I would play off the revenge narrative if everyone else wasn't also doing it, because there aren't too many players where revenge actually matters to them, but just given the type of personality that Rondo is, I think if there's anyone to care about playing his former team, well, I guess the Pelicans have two of them. Rondo and Cousins are two of the players that would be most likely to care about playing former teams, but I definitely agree with you that Rondo's way worse in a half-court game, and this should be more of a half-court game than the Pelicans usually play. Um, the Celtics sometimes get into track meets. I mean, it, I won't say never, but generally speaking, they don't. Um, so I'd look to Rondo if he were low-owned, but he almost certainly will not be. Uh, I do think Anthony Davis could be pretty low-owned because Cousins just generally is more popular. And Davis won't be affected as much by playing a good defense because he gets more defensive stats than Cousins does. And he could still get those even though he's... I guess even though it's a tough matchup, it's not really going to affect his defensive stats. So maybe Davis is hurt less by the matchup, and he's also cheaper than Cousins by a bit. But yeah, these, it is just a tough spot for the Pelicans, so this might just be a game to stay away from. Um, one guy from the Celtics who I think is semi-interesting, though, is Marcus Morris, who had 19 points and 8 rebounds in 24 minutes in his last game. Um, and maybe he's earned himself a little bit more playing time. 
But even in 25 minutes at 4,500, I think he's efficient enough of a fantasy producer. And um, I guess he's been hurt most of the year, or at least recently. He's missed some games. So he should be pretty contrarian. And there you can't really say that about a lot of core players in the, on this slate with only eight teams playing. Um, so if Morris gets 30-plus minutes... I guess you can weigh in on how likely that actually is. He could be a really zero, strong value. Zero, zero percent. He has played, he's played, let's see, the most minutes he's played all year was 27. Yeah, but he, well, I guess I guess there's no reason to think this is a different situation now than back in November when he was somewhat healthy. Um, and in, he also missed the game with the knee injury three games ago. Right, but he has played 26 and 24 minutes over the last two games, and he did play really well last game. Um, yeah, I guess it's not, I was thinking if they go small ball, Morris gets more minutes, but this isn't the team to go small ball against. I mean, Marcus Morris would probably get destroyed by cousins and Davis. Um, so maybe you go the other direction then and roster Aaron Baines or Daniel Tice, because maybe one of them plays extra, uh, to combat the matchup, but you're definitely, you're definitely playing for just pure upside there at low ownership because there's no Celtics player. I think that you can look at and say, there's just value in the price tag. Okay, well, the next game, uh, Dallas at Denver, I think this is the best game to target for DFS tomorrow. From the Dallas side of the game, it's a plus. It's a big pace-up matchup. Denver's defense has not been good as of late. Let's see, where are they at now in defensive efficiency? The Denver Nuggets have now fallen to 20th in defensive efficiency. After starting the year as a top 10 defense when they had Paul Millsap, um, I wonder when Paul Millsap's coming back. Feels like he's been out for a really long I time. I think soon, but uh, yeah, not not that soon. He won't be playing in this yeah. game. Uh, well, either way, the best play for Dallas, and probably the best play on the slate as of now for price-wise, is Yogi Ferrell. So J.J. Barea is out. Yogi Ferrell's also been starting. The last two games, Yogi Ferrell played 43 minutes and 36 minutes. So... Yogi is not some crazy permanent fantasy producer. He's scoring a little over 23 fantasy, uh, what is it? He's scoring 20 fantasy points in 29 minutes per game this year. But if he's going to play close to 40 minutes in a plus matchup, he should easily hit value and have no problem with it. As the slate shapes up, like he's somebody I would have, as if the slate shapes up where it just looks like as it does now, he's somebody I would have no issue having in every single lineup for tomorrow. So he's a fine play. And then I think uh, Harrison Barnes, Dennis Smith Jr., uh, Wes Matthews, I think all of those guys are good plays also. And then from the Nuggets' side of the game, you could also run it back with some guys on their side because they've been priced down a little bit. The main reason is also some bad production recently from them, but it's been some tougher matchups. They played at San Antonio. They played home Memphis. They had an easier game at Atlanta, except that game was a blowout where it was 13 points, except the starters weren't playing towards the end of the fourth quarter, and they played at Golden State. So I think circumstances led some weaker performances recently. So I think Jokic is a good play, Murray's a good play, Barton's a good play, Gary Harris is a fine play, Trey Lyles. Like, if you're playing this slate, I think the way to go about it is stacking Dallas-Denver. Yeah, this game only has the, well, it has the lowest total of the games we've mentioned so far. We don't have a Vegas line yet for the last game that we haven't gotten to yet. Um, so this is probably the strongest stack spot anyway, just because of the pricing value and the JJ Barea injury. 
but because of the low total, it could be a little bit lower owned than we think, uh, just because a lot of people look at the over-under number and try to make stacks based on that. Um, Farrell should be pretty chalky, and I think because of that, he's actually only my second favorite player from the Mavericks for this game. Because Dennis Smith Jr. has been playing, well, at least until the last couple of games, was playing minutes in the mid-20s, roughly, maybe some high-20s, and occasionally he would be in the 30s. But with Berea out, there are just less guards on the Mavericks, and Smith is still priced at 6300 so I think there's a lot of value on him. Um, and he should be lower owned than Yogi Farrell, just because Farrell is the obvious value play that um, he's getting the start. Well, he was starting anyway, but Farrell is coming off a really huge game. So I think more people will gravitate to him when Dennis Smith Jr. might have more upside. He's a better permanent fantasy player. He's probably just a much better player overall. Uh, so I'll definitely have plenty of Farrell, but I think Smith Jr. might be the guy that I would use in every lineup because he should be a little lower owned, and I think he has a lot more upside. Um, but for the game as a whole, there are a lot of players to like. So I would start with Dennis Smith Jr., probably Yogi Ferrell also. I don't think there's any issue with using them together um, and then just kind of fill out the rest of the lineups. I think basically every starting player, with the exception of maybe Dirk, is usable from these two teams. Yeah, the issue with Dirk is just the minutes haven't been there recently. I'm surprised he hasn't been rested once the entire season. This isn't a back-to-back or anything for him, so this wouldn't be the spot. But they rested him a lot last year, so I just find it surprising that they've let him play basically the entire season without any breaks. They've just been doing it by playing him like 20 to 22 minutes almost every night. Uh, So final game here on the slate. This where it gets a little tricky because of the injury situation. For the Phoenix Suns, TJ Warren is questionable and Josh Jackson is questionable. So the reason that this makes it really hard is because if TJ Warren was to be out, you would say Josh Jackson is the value play. He's the guy who starts in his place. But the issue is Josh Jackson is also questionable. So if we go into lock, not knowing if TJ Warren's playing and not knowing if Josh Jackson's playing, it's really hard to roster either one of them because if you're saying that, okay, I think TJ Warren's going to be out, well, then you're saying, well, maybe Josh Jackson's going to be out. So the odd, if we're saying both of them are 50 50, the odds of Josh Jackson being the sole starter there is only 25%, and then you also need him to have a good game. It's just not a high probability of all those things falling into place. So there isn't really anybody who stands out as a particularly good play for Phoenix at this point in time. And the other issue also is that the Portland Trailblazers are one of the better defensive teams in the league. They are currently 7th in the league in defensive efficiency. They are... uh, Where are they in pace? Portland plays at the right towards the middle league. They're 16th in pace. So really not a good spot for Phoenix, and it's tough to figure out the values because of the injury. Portland side of the game, this is a good spot for Portland. Phoenix plays at a fast pace. They're bad defensively. So I think Lillard, McCollum, Nurkic, Aminu, I think those guys are all fine to roster. Just I wouldn't go too, too heavy on them just because there is that blowout risk. Yeah, so the situation with Josh Jackson, I think if we knew that Warren was out and that Jackson was in, then Jackson would be one of the stronger value plays on the slate, but it just doesn't seem likely that we'll know that, and it's definitely not worth the risk because Jackson would be a good value play under that circumstance, but it's not the likeliest circumstance, and it's not like he's winning you a tournament if that's the scenario. I mean, he could have a really good game, and he is a pretty high usage player, especially when Warren's not there, but... 
yeah, you, you, there's a lot of what ifs there. So I, I think it's better to just stay away from the situation. Um, probably would stay away from Devin Booker too, just because it's a tough matchup. He would get a usage bump if both those guys are out, but that's just not something we can really plan for. Uh, I think Troy Daniels could be worth a punt play because this game could very likely be a blowout. Um, so Daniels would probably get more minutes if Jackson Warren are out or if one of them's out, but also if the game's a blowout, he would probably play garbage time. So um, I don't know. This is weird that I'll mention Daniel House as a relevant injury. I think he's supposed to be out because he's sick, but that's just one less guy the Suns can play in garbage time. So I don't know. If you're using Troy Daniels, I guess it has some impact there. Um, but there's actually a substantial injury from the Blazers side too. Shabazz Napier hurt his back last game. Um, so if he's out, I guess that would have to mean more minutes for Lillard and McCollum, right? Like maybe a minute or two extra each. But Evan Turner should play more. Pat Connaughton should play more. Um, Alfaraq Amino maybe would play more. And I guess it, it depends how the Blazers treat this because Napier has started a couple times recently. So they, they would probably just go with bigger lineups. Um, but I think Connaughton could be the interesting play there because he would come off the bench, play more minutes, and also be on the court for potential garbage time. So it makes the Blazers a little bit more worthy of consideration if Napier's out. Uh, again, this is the last game, though, so we may not have that news before lock. Yeah, let's see. So Pat Connaughton is 3,500 for the season. He is playing uh, 20 minutes per game, scoring about 12.5 fantasy points, so not great production per minute. But he did play 29 minutes in their last game. So, And this is a really easy matchup. I mean, Phoenix is one of the best. It's one of the most fantasy-friendly situations. And I don't think you would have to worry about blowout risk for Connaughton. I think it would actually help him because he would be in for that garbage time. Yeah, so even if we just put him at a baseline of, so instead of 20 minutes, we put him at 30 minutes. That would put him at about 19 fantasy points in a neutral matchup. And then, say it goes up to 20 and a half or so, just kind of guessing, eyeballing based on what the matchup is. So yeah, if we put Pat Connaughton at like 20 and a half fantasy point projection at 3,500 on a small slate, I think that he'd be a fine value play. So I'll, I'll just reiterate, we kind of need to know that Shabazz Napier is out before making that decision. And I guess neither of us has any idea when the Blazers will tell us what Napier's status is. Um, and 20% on Jimmy Butler. That, okay. Well, <laughs> have you been doing the calculating the whole time? Because I guess that I would just, be I impressive. Just, I just looked through it and was figuring out because okay. um, I, I just don't. I don't think that there's any high-priced guys that I really like that much on the slate, and I think that it, I think that the way that I would go make lineups here would be a lot of Dallas Denver stack. That's a lot of cheap players, and then you just have to pay up for one guy, and so it would just end up being like, okay, I'll throw Butler into a couple of those lineups, maybe Davis into a couple, Cousins into a couple just because you have to roster somebody. Yeah, I guess the other guy to mention before we end here is uh, Lillard is basically the same price. So there's the blowout risk, but it's a very easy matchup for Lillard. And if Napier's out, I think I would like Lillard more than any of those guys. Okay, so that is going to finish today's podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at GArenbergDFS and Matt's Twitter handle is at PreachingSense. And we'll be back for a bigger slate on Wednesday.